Ah. Lone Wolf McQuaid. It's Chuck Norris who plays a, get this, a Texas Ranger. I mean, yeah, he's not going too far here. I believe it it came out in 83. But the antagonist of that film is David Carradine of Kung Fu. You know, and they get to square off. Much like uh, Chuck got to uh, square off with Bruce Lee in The Way of the Dragon in 72. Oh, my God. It, I just saw David Carradine trying to throw a kick. Oh, but at least entertaining. I, I like David Carradine. He's a, he was a legitimate martial artist. He knew how to how to move. Was he really? Yes. Oh, yeah. He was, he was, no he way. Was, he was kung fu all the way, man. Dude, he looks like a drunk dad who's only ever seen bad karate movies doing karate in the parking lot of like a TGI. The Friday. guy could like, the guy could still fight. I guarantee it, man. He was still get the fuck out of here. Hi everybody, this is Bridget Nielsen. You are listening to Children of the Adams. <laughs> On this week's show, we've got a double shot of America's mythical bearded karate man from the '80s, Chuck Norris. By way of 1985's Code of Silence and one of his many movies produced by the Cannon Group, Missing in Action 2, The Beginning. Possible show titles this week include Never Been Norris or Once Bitten, Twice Chucked. Hello, everybody. We are back. Again. <laughs> and uh, from the last show, we had found out, or Brian found out, that I had never actually seen a technical Chuck Norris movie besides uh, Sidekicks. How, how, I, don't, I still don't know how that's possible, but, but okay. Uh, so we decided to to do a Chuck Norris movie, and we initially had only set out to do one, and that was 1985's Code of Silence. But this movie was, for me, <laughs> it was particularly bad, like so much so to the point where I didn't feel like I would be able to, to have enough to say about it for an entire show. So we did two Chuck Norris movies, and uh, we went with one uh, that Brian recommended that was more of the the usual Chuck Norris variety of the time. And that was uh, missing in action too. Now there's that I will preface this and say that there are probably some better Chuck Norris films out there. I could have had you watch, um, but I didn't want to over overload you. And by the end of these discussions here, I'll, I'll make my recommendations for other movies. You should probably check out that Chuck Norris did because there, there are a couple out there that are much, much better. And also, too, we didn't want to pay any extra money. That's so, that's right, yeah. yeah and I, whatever I, was available yeah, to us, I watch. was not going to have you spend any money to rent a film for Chuck Norris because I didn't know how you'd react to him. So uh, I'm better. I'm curious to see what you're willing to do now with some other movies. <laughs> I think if Code of Silence would have been the only Chuck Norris movie we watched, I would have said he is wildly boring, and I don't get why people enjoy. Yeah. Him. So yeah, I will start off by saying this: this is this is one of those Chuck Norris films I have never seen. Um, I've seen a lot in his library. Um, I generally am entertained with most of his movies. This one, I just, I never got around to seeing, which surprises <laughs> me because everything I read, like this ranks up there as like one of the top five Chuck Norris films. Oh, Chuck boy. Norris himself allegedly says like, like this is one of his favorite <laughs> movies of all time that he did. Oh, it's, man. it's kind of crazy. So I'm, yeah, I'm very curious to sit, to know, what your real thoughts are. Cause you've, you've only kind of expressed to me a, a general feeling that you got after watching this thing. So it's going to be fun to talk yeah. about. It, it was generally bad. Like for me, I, how this movie, like what it tried to do differently than other cop movies. If you've ever seen a cop movie from the eighties or the nineties, almost always it's a cop, you know, who's 
lieutenant is like, you're, you're going to go, you're going to give me a heart attack. You keep up your shenanigans and I'm going to haul you in front of the, the commission and, you know, you know the stereotype. But this one is different in that Chuck Norris is so much of a nerd, the bad cops make fun of him openly <laughs> because he's such a by-the-book guy. They're like, look at this fucking asshole. He's the maverick. Like, that's, yeah, that's, that's what makes him a maverick is he's the only clean cop in Chicago. <laughs> well, it's part, I think. Which I thought, I had never seen that premise before. So I was like, this could be interesting, I guess. And then it just... It got wildly just absurd and just so terrible. Well, I will give Phil, I'll give this some credit here. Is this, this film goes some places <laughs> that I didn't think it would. And we'll, we'll get into oh, it when man. we get to that point in the film here. So um, I think you should start us off here with a plot summary of what, what happens this thing. Cause I'll tell you what, the, the hardest thing I had about this film was I, I had a hard time figuring out what the hell is going on. So. Yeah. Okay. So we open up with a sting operation there. As far as we understand, uh, what's his name? Eddie Cusack is Chuck Norris and his partner, uh, Dennis Farina, uh, or played by Dennis Farina. They're on a sting of some sort, and they're are they busting drug dealers yes. who get robbed by other drug dealers? Well, this is this is one of the first parts I had I had with or first problems I had with this thing was um, I didn't understand <laughs> what kind of cops these were. Are they vice cops? Because it seems like right. as we go through this film, they're doing all sorts of things. Like they're investigating murders and uh-huh. robberies and yeah. drugs and all sorts of things. It's like yeah. they're just like the jack of all trades for the cops. It's kind of weird. They do it all. Yeah, but there's yeah. So just to answer your question, yes, they are setting up a large drug uh, sting operation. Right. Um, I guess that's how they did it back in the 80s. They didn't have SWAT just break down the doors. You know, they just had plain closed officers like set up and then bust in and uh, take everybody down. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's what happens. It's, uh, yeah, a, a rival gang uh, busts in and ta- and robs the, uh, the other gang before they can deal the drugs for the sting. And... Uh, Cusack's informant is one of the people who was killed as part of the as part of the, the drug deal gone gone sour. Yeah. Yeah, that's the best I could right? get from it as well. And then okay, and then at some point we meet a gangster who wants to retire and he's somehow tied to the to the drug deal. Uh that I don't I, know. Is that Are you talking right about Luis Camacho? No, no, okay. no, not Luis Camacho. The other guy, the Oh my god, what was his name? Luna. Oh, okay. Yeah, Tony Luna. No, no, no. Yeah, he, so I, I was what he wasn't he part of the group that robbed the other gang and then when he went home like his his daughter was giving him shit like you get out of this crime and he's like I'll get out of it when I'm good and ready kind of thing like it was, it was a very Godfather kind of moment yeah so the plot goes like this where yeah they're the, the cops <laughs> are chasing like chasing this, this uh, <laughs> lead down to crack down on this large cocaine or heroin deal I don't I think it was heroin um, yeah and. Tony Luna, the character, he's another gangster in Chicago, and he's going around against the advice of all his superiors. He goes off and knocks off another rival gang member, um, right. uh, Louis Camacho, played by a great character actor, Henry Silva. It, you know, if, if you've ever seen any kind of low budget film or Dick Tracy, for God's sakes, uh, you know. Oh, you'll, you'll definitely recognize. Yeah, you, you know, because sure. he always plays just a uh, the the evil crime lord whatever it is yep. uh, usually he's like a uh, you know a drug lord Bad you guy. know in in yep. south america but great great actor i highly recommend that you watch it if you like trash <laughs> but yeah so tony luna is the one who goes out there and knocks off rival rival gangs and this begins to start off a war in the streets and in this in during this whole commotion of this robbery gone bad uh the cops go in to kind of break it up and one of the cops ends up shooting a 
innocent civilian uh, sets up one of the side plots of the film. Oh, d- dude, there were way too many side plots. This, in this there's a movie, there's a lot of characters in this thing, so you got you yeah, 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 you've got to keep there, up in this thing before the drug bust goes bad. Uh, the guy who played the uh, the fake gangster in the Home Alone movie, like uh, <laughs> yes, keep the that's him. He's a dirty cop in Chicago. In this he initially shoots a guy, plants uh, plants a gun on him. And the the rookie to the squad who's still presumably trying to be he's trying to decide if he should be good or bad. <laughs> like this is his moral stance in the movie. So he doesn't know if I should be a good cop or bad cop yet. He sees the bad guy pl- uh, plant evidence and since it's his partner, he shuts up. But then like his whole side plot is that uh, Cusack is since he's the one good guy, he's trying to take the newbie under his wing and try to tell him like you know you you can follow the rules and and still you know bust crime kind of thing. I mean, right? yeah, I know. And I like this. This is, this is where I thought this film was kind of unique from every other buddy cop film. And it, well, I, I take it back. It's not even really a buddy cop film. Cause he is alone. It one. is not. Um, he has no friends in this movie whatsoever. I do like the fact that they are taking on this idea of police corruption in this film because it, yeah. we, we know it's a real thing out there. A lot of cops engage oh, yeah. in it. And you know, this is Chuck Norris like battling it out, and you have this moral dilemma for this rookie who's like he's just new to, you know, this whatever squad these guys are on. He doesn't yeah, know. Do the I general crime squad? He has to face that that real world consequence that all these cops, all the good cops, have to is like, well, what do I do? Do I turn in a fellow police officer, or do I just turn the other cheek and and just like I pretend I didn't see it? And go on right. because I've got to keep status quo. Because as it turns out, as we go through this movie, it seems like, or at least I get the impression that all the cops that that uh, Chuck Norris works with, they're all dirty in some way, and they're all like, "Yeah, screw this guy. You don't go against you know the blue. <laughs> you know, you you yeah. just have to back us no matter what." So so it's yeah. it's real world events right now that that really tie in. I guess things don't change, right? Angels with filthy souls, man. Angels with filthy souls. And I got to stop you. Like right there, like the first time you heard that guy's voice, did you automatically go to Home Alone? But, dude, fucking A, I straight, did too. straight away. I was like, oh shit, I did it's too. him. Yeah. It's like, I'll tell you what, snakes. <laughs> like, AC ain't charged no more. I was like, oh my God, it's the guy. I couldn't believe it. I was like, wow, that guy actually did something else. Wow. Yeah, I couldn't tell you any other movie. I, I have no. I don't know if I've seen him in anything else other than the Home Alones and fucking. This. Yeah, and I and I was I always knew like in, that, in Home Alone, like yes, that was a fake film they they made there. But I was like, oh, they just right. had to get some random person to do this. Nope, it's a it's a real life working actor. <laughs> yeah, I mean, as, as working as you can be when you are Chuck working with Chuck Norris. I, at least he was, you know the lead of the the B story and then but then they started throwing in like there was so there was a C story with the with the one gangster who like this was his last job basically was knocking off the other well, see, the other drug and that's gang. what I didn't understand if that was Tony Luna's last job or if it was just it was. he was being greedy and trying to just uh, take over territory for his crew yeah, and, and his his family's whole push is like, we got enough, we're good. You should get out, and you know that's what he's like. You, you shut your face. Yeah, I mean, I got that dilemma too. That this whole like the the family is like, oh, you're putting us all in danger, and you know this life is totally screwed up for us. You know they're they're right. they're trying to have a normal life. You know birthday parties and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then yeah, like you said, there's a there's that that plot line, and then there's like a D plot line where Tony Luna's daughter. is like becomes a an integral part of this thing where she's being stalked by the camacho group because they're trying to like 
knock off everybody else, including the family of Tony Luna, because they can't find Tony Luna. Yeah. Like, he goes into hiding after this. this he thing goes, goes into bad. hiding. Yeah. So it's, it's open season on his family, according to the Camacho gang. And then that's how Cusack gets involved with uh, with Luna's daughter, who I mean, there's there's quite an age difference in between the two. <laughs> Like in this, like, I don't get what their dynamic is supposed to be. Like, is he supposed to be like a, like a good father figure type to her? That's what I was, I was thinking. I, but I, it would have made more sense had there been like a backstory for Cusack that like maybe his child got killed, you know, or something. And, and now she is, like you remind me of my daughter, she is filling that role or yeah. Or even if he was just divorced and he has no contact with his kids, stuff like that you know, builds character. That's good writing. Who knows? There yeah. could have been something in the original script where that kind of ties in, but because this, this movie is so loaded with so many plot points. They don't spend time on it. Yeah. Any they had to, they, they just had to one and cut they things right and the go. Yeah. And, 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 and yeah. And then, <laughs> yeah. like you said, yeah, just plow through this movie. Like it's nothing yeah. because you got to get the, the action scenes in there and you got to oh have those God. dramatic scenes where, you know, Chuck is, you know, doing his karate uh, exercises and everybody's like, <laughs> like trying to talk with him and like get him on their side. And like, Nope, Nope. I'm not going to sign your petition to, to get this bad cop back on the force. Yeah. It's, it's crazy, right. man. Yeah. And you guys can do what you want, but I'm, I'm going to walk the line of being a good cop. And like, that's it for, okay. The movie is 101 minutes. I'd say for at least 44 of those minutes, that is Chuck Norris's hard stance. Is like, I'm not going to do anything. And, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I'm a good cop and there's other ways to go about it. And all the other cops, they make fun of him. They shit on him. They don't back him up on calls that are dangerous to him. They leave him completely the fuck alone on this. And, uh, at some point, uh, Luna's daughter gets kidnapped by Camacho's gang. And instead of Luna's gang going to rescue her, Chuck Norris then decides as Eddie, Eddie Cusack, he goes full on Martin Riggs and just freaks the fuck out. And just like, does he, does he load a garbage truck full of guns and just go chasing after like the gangs? Like, what exactly does he do? Because I remember he okay. turned a, a corner pretty fucking quick. Okay, yes, because like, and this we're, I'm going to take us back for a little bit here because there's a <laughs> very very interesting side plot again to this thing where uh, oh, I don't, that's a pretty loose. Yeah, Cusack shows up at this random <laughs> meeting and they are all the all the, like the big brass for the police Chicago PD are there and they are. This company is demonstrating a autonomous oh my robot, okay, a completely armed robot. Um, yeah, and I, I don't know about and you. Ed 209, yes. as you put. I was it, just right? going to yeah. ask you did you did you get taken right to Ed two hundred nine right there? I did because yeah. I thought I thought it was very interesting because we didn't mention this. This film was released on, by Orion Pictures. Now, if you remember, what other film was released by Orion Pictures in 1988? Just uh, three years after this. I say it was RoboCop. Wasn't RoboCop. It? <laughs> <laughs> Once again, I I feel like this movie is starting some trends that I would have accused this movie a long time ago of stealing and ripping off. But maybe it's the other way around. Everybody's just kind of taking from this thing because. But but you notice the the, the parts they took from it, they made them better. Well, they made them into whole movies, and which which you know a I mean? good artist does. Like I'm not saying that. Yeah. Like, like there's you know the rules out there. You know nobody nobody has completely original ideas, right? You you draw from right. the world around you and what's what's what influenced you. So you know mm. I would say that yeah, Paul Verhoeven probably. God dare I say watch this film? I don't know if he would have, <laughs> but if he did, he might have said I can do that much better because. Right. I'm not only going to, yeah. you know, use, you know, Ray Harryhausen type stop motion to make a really cool looking thing, but I'm going to 
amp the violence up to 25. Right. But yes. So as I, as I was saying, they, they have this autonomous robot, which once again, I I was watching this and I felt it was very topical because there was just recently a debate in San Francisco of, do we arm drones or robots out there that would be patrolling uh, the streets for law enforcement? Jesus Christ. Yeah. So, so yeah, they're introducing this this vehicle. It's like a four-wheeled vehicle. It's got like two 50 caliber machine guns on it, like rocket launchers and all this kind of stuff. And to operate it, you have to use the biggest goddamn handheld remote control I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, it looked like an arcade Yes, game. like one of those classic old ones that you had that, you know, they were almost... Like from Pizza Hut where you'd sit down and play Pac-Man yes, like, or something Yeah, it was like in those, yeah. the, the wood paneling, you know, that kind of stuff, except yep. it had a handle on it where you could, like, push buttons on it and then, like, had a trigger on the thing. It was kind of really ridiculous. I completely forgot about the robot. <laughs> I can't believe you did. Oh, my God. Because I thought that's where you were going. Oh. So, yeah, the, as we're skipping to that, that final point there where Jesus. he's on the rescue... That's what he loads up in the truck is he goes in there, steals guns and steals the autonomous or the, the drone robot, the Ed, the Ed 106. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) To, to break out the daughter. Right. (laughs) It's from the rival gang. And it's at this point too, is like when he's on the radio, like does, does the rookie find out that he's starting to break bad and then he tells all the other cops. Is that what happens? Well, he just has a crisis of conscience. Like, he even, remember, he calls Cusack at one point to a bar where all the cops are hanging out. And he's like, man, I've got to talk to you. Now, if it was me, I seriously doubt if I was involved in that situation, I was a cop and I saw some dirty dirty shit happen and I was going to tell somebody. I think the last place I would do it is in front of every other cop, especially when the other cop who's involved is at that very bar and watching me tell somebody. (laughs) Yeah, like three stools down too. Yes, and he like he obviously knows like what are they talking about down there? But yeah, yeah, for sure. The rookie has the crisis of conscience and says, "Look, I got to tell you, man, I saw this whole thing happen. I've got to go testify tomorrow. What do I do?" And that's when yeah, Chuck Norris, the good guys, always say, "Well, you tell the truth. That's all you got to do." And but this guy's smart enough because this is what every cop would deal with in the real world is, yeah, if I do that, I'm going to end up like you and nobody's going to back me up. I'm going to be caught in the middle of a gunfight and nobody's going to be there to help me and I'm dead. So Mm. what am I supposed to do? Right. (laughs) Uh, Okay, so uh, we're back to the final chase now where where Cusick has taken the... uh, what was the name of the robot? Did it have a name? It did. I t- it was like the police bot. Okay, uh, Prowler robot. Prowler. I see. Yeah, okay, the, the Prowler robot. What a dumbass name. So he takes the Prowler robot and he goes to the enemy to the compound. And he's taking out the compound. Games. It's a it's a warehouse, dude. <laughs> so. yeah, I mean, it's it, it it's technically a compound, right? Yeah. Like if if bad guys hide out there. <laughs> yeah. Okay. It, it's good enough. I mean, it housed like a uh, hundred and fifty bad guys. There was a lot. They just of bad came guys out of there, every hole, like, a, like it was a yeah. bunch of like termites or something. They were just coming out like of the like fucking woodwork. commando man. They just started peering at yeah. it everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's, okay. So, uh, it's at that point then that uh, it's 
all the cops are in the the squad house and they decide not to help Cusack. And that's when the rookie confronts everybody by saying like, I was lying for this guy and he's really dirty kind of thing. Is that when that part happens? That's exactly when when it happens because they're all like, oh, you know, we're not going to go back that son of a bitch up. And, you know, the rookie's like, well, I'm going to. And you should be ashamed of yourself, asshole, because, yeah, you killed the guy and, you know, I lied for you. That kind of thing. Then he planted a gun on the kid. Yeah. 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 Yeah, All that thing. So then uh, is that when all the like in that time Cusack defeats everybody and then at the moment where after he wins and everything's smoldering ashes and all that and he's walking triumphantly back that's when all the cops show up and they all kind of all the bad cops kind of give like the respect nod yes like is that like, is that, that part like, like nobody like, helped him out and <laughs> right and this is this is after mind you that you know Chuck Norris was going out there to rescue the the, the daughter and, and yeah, an innocent shows up yeah, at that in, bar. Person, he asks for backup, and everybody's like, "No, screw that." He goes to the bar, kicks a lot of ass. Like I like the action scene of him <laughs> fighting everybody, but eventually they get the best of him and beat the shit out of him. Yeah, and, but yeah, the cops just show up again. Like, oh yeah, hey, hey, Chuck, yeah, we're we're on your side again. We respect you, buddy. I, you know, right. if I was Chuck, I'd be like, "Fuck all you guys, man." <laughs> right. Oh, it's it's crazy. Now I got a question. Is it is it weird to have expected Chuck Norris his final showdown with the big boss, uh, Luis Camacho, uh, for them to have actually had a fight, like instead of like Chuck Norris just shooting? So him, this like, is fucking... yeah. This is one of the reasons I think Chuck Norris likes this film, is because uh. this was the film that he wanted to, you know, showcase more of acting. instead of hey i'm not a martial artist you know acting i'm an actor who's in there so i don't want to do a bunch of martial arts now he does have some fighting scenes there but these have been completely cut out now or cut back i should say yeah because normally in every other film that i can think of that i've seen of chuck norris or damn near most of them yeah there's always that final showdown that he has with the bad guy and just he's a better martial artist and he does kick some ass but yeah, this one he doesn't. He just ends up, you know, shooting the guy, right? Yeah, the, uh, Camacho comes at him with a hammer, and he just Cusack just shoots him. Like that's it. Like there's no spin kick, no cool line. Like you know, chill out, dirtbag. Like nothing like that. He just fucking shoots him and just kind of like, like not really smirks, but just kind of wrinkles his mouth for a bit and just fucking walks off. Like that. That's just and, it. and that in that scene too. I got to bring this up. I feel uh, like there was some stuff cut out of this scene. Because this, the, the, so this daughter, like some dialogue. Well, maybe. this daughter, she's hanging up there like on a meat hook, right? You know, she's been kidnapped oh, yeah. and she's just hanging in there, and they're gonna kill her eventually. But mm-hmm. I feel like these guys like roughed her up and were like like sexually abusing this lady because her clothes are like all completely torn and she's like just wearing rags basically. And I'm just like, God, yeah. did they film some horrible stuff like that and just like finally had a moment of clarity and said, Hey, we should not show this because. I was very disturbed by that. I was just like, you don't need yeah. to have that. Like it would be perfectly fine because yes, this right. girl is supposed to be playing a teenager. Just have her there tied up. That's all you need to have. But, Oh, it's just, well, even in lethal weapon one, when they took Marta's daughter too, that same thing. That's true. But you know, at least, that's at least her, her clothes look like they were intact. I mean, she was wearing, you know, yeah, I think she was down to her a little bit of lingerie, but yeah, uh, yeah. I was just—I I don't know. I just—I did not get a good feeling about when I was watching. I was like, "That's kind of weird." I was like, "I feel like it's 
Yeah. It was like watching uh, Tom Atkins like in that love scene. And fucking oh my God. Witch, like, yes. Uh, That's yeah. You get that, that awful feeling of the pit of your stomach. You're like, yeah, yeah, this is not good. Yeah. Right. Like this isn't cool, man. Like there's somebody should be saying something. Yeah. Chuck, this, right? Chuck probably did. He's probably like, no, 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 we're not putting that in there. Right. We're not doing that. You know, I'm going to kiss her on the forehead. Yes. That's going to be the end of this Yeah, movie. that's all I need, and she's safe. <laughs> right, yeah. But yeah. So, I mean, it doesn't... Uh, all in all, it, uh, I don't know why so many plot threads were needed. Like, there was way too much stuff into this movie. Like, And I think that maybe because... you know, Maybe they realized when they were making this movie that Chuck Norris wasn't, like, a strong actor. <laughs> it's like, hmm. Some of his dialogue in this movie, man, his delivery is, it's odd. Like, it's not, it's not flat and it's not lazy, but it's just, it's like the dude's just made out of molasses. Like, it just, it it, it barely falls out of his mouth, dude. There's like no cadence whatsoever. I, and you I agree, mean? yeah. I don't think this is one of his best acted movies. Maybe it is. Maybe, I mean, I just, maybe I'm <laughs> judging him too harshly and he might just be a victim of bad screenwriting. Um, because I... I, I, I have seen the guy in movies, and I like I said, I'm genuinely entertained in, in most of the stuff he does. It's uh-huh. it's always just a lot of fun, and but but this is right. especially during this time in the in the early '80s. It's the role that he plays. He's very laconic. He's just very serious and to the point. Uh, a, a very disturbed individual, kind of, you know. And we'll we'll get to what mm-hmm. we talking about missing in action, all that stuff. But that's what he plays is that stoic. I'm the moral one. I'm the leader. I, I have to be that. I can't be a jokester. And yeah, there, unfortunately, yeah. I mean, cause remember what we're comparing him to as well. I mean, you're comparing him to the swath of action stars that we grew up with in the eighties who, mm-hmm. I mean, I dare say have just a little bit more personality when it comes to, you know, mugging to the camera and that kind of stuff. You know, the Schwarzeneggers, the right. Stallones, the yeah. Van Dams, Seagulls, yep. God help us. Uh, yeah, he, he, the guy could say something dumb, like that was like, ah, that was kind of Yeah, but funny. he, I, I think That's that this is, once again, the reason why Chuck Norris likes it, I, I think that this is what he saw as uh, my opportunity to do something a little bit more serious. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to have some messages in this thing. I'm going to take on police corruption while trying to be a competent, <laughs> you know, cop film. You know, d- does he succeed at it? I don't think it's it's a, a home run by any any account, but I, I think it's fair what they try to do. But they they certainly this this thing could have could have benefited from another rewrite of the screenplay, I think, where you just cut some of those plot lines through and you could explore some more stuff. I mean, if you want to really say something about police corruption, fine, dedicate more time to that. And mm-hmm. and then you can have the the bad guy in the side on the other plot there. But you, it's yeah. hard to, to juggle, you know, five plot lines because, Boy, keeping those balls in the air, man, it's hard to do. And- Especially in only 100 minutes. Holy shit, man. And nobody even really spoke at all uh, in like the last 17 minutes, like in the whole third act, like as he's going to rescue the, you know, this lady, like they're intersplicing like bits of dialogue from the other cops, like, you know, when the rookie, you know, finally comes forward and things like that. But other than that, like there's not really much going on, like other than the actual last few minutes. So they really cram home a lot of stuff and maybe like 75 minutes. Yeah. I mean, it's almost like this. Maybe you got this feeling too. It's kind of like watching two movies put together. Like you had competing <laughs> ideas 
about what right. this movie should be. Maybe Orion Pictures had an idea. Maybe Chuck Norris had a different idea. Maybe the director had a different idea. And I think maybe CBS had an idea to make it a six-part miniseries, and they just put it together into one movie. It, that's that's a good possibility because like. this is this is a movie that's all over the place. Yeah, uh, yeah. Like you said, the the whole third act is just a an action scene. It's like racing through the city, the streets of Chicago, and <laughs> yeah, the rescue. It's all action. Yeah. Like all the drama has gone away. Uh, the police corruption storyline doesn't really get resolved at all we no. never find out the fate of the bad cop and what happens to them nope <laughs> you know we you, <laughs> no, you no, don't do really it. understand what happened to the daughter like she just goes on because her father was killed oh yeah what the hell it's like there's just there's this movie just like weirdly just kind of ends like it's it's almost as if they ran out of money and they're like well we just gotta end it roll credits yeah done see you later it's it, it's kind of crazy so all in all, like, is this one you would ever watch again? Honestly, no. I, I don't think I would yeah, go back right. to this one. I don't think I hated it as much as you did. Like, I was more into it because I, I know Chuck Norris. I know his films, or most of them. Mm-hmm. So I kind I really was kind of interested where this was going because it's not like any of his other movies. Well, that's a good thing, I guess. Yeah, and that, and that's why. Well, well, as I said, we'll talk about it. Is is where where he where he's gone from there and where he's gone before here. You know, this is. I feel like this was his one chance to really do something, and he was doing it with a great movie house. Like, if you know anything about Orion Pictures, I mean, they put out amazing films when the time when they were active. They're just great. I mean, Oscar winner, Silence of the Lambs, Dances with Wolves. You know. God, RoboCop, any other movie you could, like, if, if there's a movie you out there that you liked out there uh, that was made in the 80s and early 90s, I'll bet you it's a good chance it was made by Orion, so. Platoon, Arthur, I mean, just, damn, dude. they had everything. They were just, this is a little side, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of getting off subject here, but, you know, Orion is just a great story and a sad story of Hollywood where they were known as the, 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 the studio that really wanted to cater to their artists and give them a lot of control. Oh shit, the Terminator too. Yeah. God damn. They, they really wanted to give give their artists a lot of control. A lot of the money flowed to the artists and stuff like that. So it was a great thing for Hollywood. Unfortunately, that business model just kind of ate them up. Because, I mean, not many movie houses or production houses go under when they have that many Academy Awards under their belt. But unfortunately, yeah, they real, did. Dude. Yeah, it wasn't long after they, they declared, like after... Silence of the Lambs and uh, Dances with Wolves a few years after that, that they all went under. So, Boy, I got to say, uh, most of my favorite movies from childhood are represented oh, on this list from Orion I'm Pictures, telling man. You, That's absurd. I, every time I see that logo on any classic film that I've, I haven't seen and I see that Orion logo, oh, I'm, I'm mm-hmm. like, I'm ready to go because I know I'm, I'm going to get something good. And like I said, I this may not have been the best thing that I've seen in Orion's wheelhouse, but... It wasn't terrible. I didn't think it. Like I, I kind of thought you might enjoy it because it. Like when you first started, just when you turn this thing on, you almost get, you know, that running scared feel because, and it's probably just because I see the Chicago skyline. Oh, I'll I know you wouldn't like that. Though. <laughs> I, I was telling oh, you, like, when I, I was getting that feel right away because I was like, oh, it's winter at Chicago. Yeah, maybe yeah, it's the okay, same kind I see of thing, that. and. It, yeah. it, it's it's not the buddy cop you know film that that movie is but it's it's still good right yeah 
Running scared only came out a year later, and you know, just it's way better. Well, yeah, that's that's a strong statement, but okay. Uh, okay, it's not. Code of Silence isn't the worst movie we've ever watched, but it is the worst one I think I've seen this year so far. Okay, well, it's early in the year, so that's, it, that's what I mean. It's still early. Like, there's plenty of time for someone to take its <laughs> take its place, but right now, this one's the current winner. Uh, so we moved over to one that you said was more of his usual variety and that was missing in action to the beginning now quick sign about the missing in action series is that these were these came out before rambo part two and in that like you'll see a lot of similarities between the two like uh missing in action to uh the beginning and missing in action one were filmed back to back and with the intention of being is that the uh the the second one as we note was supposed to be released first mm-hmm. But the director thought that the first one they or the second one they made was would be a better lead off, so they went with Missing in Action one first, and then Missing Action two became the sequel. They're, they're they actually filmed them both that. together. Um, I don't know. Have you have you seen the first Missing in Action? No, Missing in Action two was my first. Okay. Uh, was my second Chuck Norris. And I'll movie. say this: the only reason we picked Missing in Action two because, like I said, I didn't want you to spend any money on anything, so I happened to see right. it was on there for free. So I said, let's do that yep. one because I've seen that, that movie worked. multiple times, and it it's kind of give you. Um, a, the, a better feel for what at least Canon did with Chuck Norris. Um, yeah. yeah, because the original Missing in Action is it's much the same movie uh, as you stated. It's just it takes it takes place like four years after this one, I think, and it's mm-hmm. basically the same thing. Chuck Chuck Norris goes back into the jungle to rescue other POWs. Um, right, and you know. If, if that sounds familiar, yes, Rambo did that in a big budget movie called Rambo First Blood Part Two in 1985. Um, mm-hmm. But this this movie that beat him to the punch. Um, yeah, it did. However, I will say it's not the earliest. Uh, I guess like it's not the earliest movie. Like it didn't start the genre of you know a POW uh, rescue. Like there's a lot of other movies that kind of predated this, but this might have been the first one where it wasn't like an ensemble. Yeah, and this I mean, and it makes sense. Like you know. We, we tend to forget that in 1985, you know, you're really only 10, nine years after the Vietnam War officially ends. Uh, I think the last yeah. troops left Vietnam in 73. So, you know, you're not that far off from Vietnam. It's still fresh in the minds of most people who would be going to the movies during that time. Like it's, it's something no, that sure. they at least grew up with, or at least most of us, because, you know, people our age, we were born pretty much just like right after that. And so it's not really, but it, it still influenced our lives because we still grew up in the world of the cold war and, you know, all the evil communists and all that kind of thing. So right. this, this would have been very topical in, in the early eighties, which it was because hence the, the multiple movies that were made about it. Oh, yeah. I mean, but uh, yeah, the story goes that like they were shopping this thing around to Canon. Like they wanted to get Stallone for this one. Cause apparently it's like Stallone was shopping his, his stuff around. But like his his project end up ends up going to Curlco with a lot more money behind it, and uh, you know Chuck Norris's film because it, it wasn't Chuck Norris stopping this thing around. It was the writer who who came up with it. I don't remember the gentleman's name offhand, but yeah, he he ended up going to Canon, and Canon's like, hell yeah, we'll produce this for a hell of a lot less money. Who can who can we get that's not Stallone? Oh well, we got Chuck right. Norris, so that's what they yeah. went with. <laughs> For comparison, the budget of Missing in Action 1 
was uh, is, is listed about between one and a half and three million. Yeah. The budget for Rainbow First Blood Part Two was twenty. Yeah, I mean you can see it, and so, if more. you've seen them, I know we, I know, I think we both seen both of those films. Y- yep. You see the difference. Um, oh yeah, I, I I will preface this now because I don't know. I, I don't want to spoil my thoughts on Rambo because I think eventually we're going to get to those, <laughs> but um, it's probably the better film between <laughs> compared to this. I'd say that's fair. Like, uh, okay, I will say, Missing in Action Two, I thought for me was so much more fun than Code of Silence. Like, I'm I'm so upset that we st- that we just wasted fucking like two hours of our time watching Code of Silence. We should have just watched Missing in Action Two and just. I it from I there. agree with that. I will say that because I think yes, you got to taste finally what a real Chuck Norris film is. It's because it, it follows those same plot points, right? You know. Yeah, it worked because he didn't he didn't talk very much and he kicked a lot of ass in the yeah, movie. Yeah, this, those are both the things you need for a successful Chuck Norris movie are very little dialogue and a whole lot of kicking. And l- unlike many of his other films, like he doesn't say shit in this one. Like he, no, I, he says maybe like a hundred words yes, in the whole movie. Like I was <laughs> going back to this thing, I was I was so amazed. Like man, like Braddock, you know, his your name's on this thing, and mm-hmm. you know you're. You don't say shit. Like everybody else is talking around you, telling the story, and you're just like real, real laconic at this point. Just like, uh, just gotta say a few words. Gotta be stoic, and that's it. Yep. I mean, God, he loves to say Geneva Conventions like nothing else. But oh my God, how many times did they say the words Geneva Convention in that fucking movie? I don't know. If I watch it again, I'm gonna turn it into a drinking game, though. I wouldn't do it. You'll be in like 12 minutes in, man. You'll just be. Yeah, but it'll be a lot more fun to watch it. (laughs) It was a lot of fun. I will say the. like, if you've ever seen like a like like a POW movie, like you get the gist. It's the you know the the, the captors, you know, fucking with the captives, you know, humili- humiliation, torture, you know, things like that, and you know the gang's got to come together to finally escape, and and you know that's the basic plot of the movie. But like the real driving force behind this one is is that the uh, the captain of the camp really wants to get uh, Colonel James Braddock, Chuck Norris's character, to. Uh, to confess to war crimes, basically, right? Yeah, so let, let's talk about this for a minute here. So the way this this uh, movie is set up is it, it starts off in, I think, like 1972 or something like that in Vietnam. Uh, Colonel right. Braddock is, is going out on a mission to help, a helicopter mission to go out there and help uh, his fellow soldiers that are in the field under firefight from uh, the North Vietnamese or the uh the Viet Cong, whatever it might be. And most notably Stephen Williams. Yes. Absolutely. I was really I was really happy to see him in this movie. He is he is a guy that just shows up randomly in these uh in these uh you know canon films, right? Yeah. But yeah, so he goes out there and for some reason James Braddock, he plays a light colonel. He he wants to go along on this mission. They they take off in a Huey and during this this mission they rescue the 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 soldiers but in while trying to escape they get shot at and their chopper goes down and you you starts off right away showing each person who's bailing out of the helicopter they're all listed as missing in action and then we eventually pick up with them like 10 years later in this Mm -hmm. pow camp in in captivity captivity, still kept alive for some reason um right look very healthy too it's it's because they're uh very healthy. Yes, because they, what they're doing is like they're having them be uh, they're opium farmers, basically, right? I see. I could not get that. It didn't. I didn't get that. So there is there is a whole side plot. To this thing where, yeah, the <laughs> the 
the person who runs the camp, Colonel Yin. Uh, yeah, yep. played by another good character actor from the seventies. I don't know if you know much of his work, Soon Teko. Um, I, I I really remember him from uh, the Man with the Golden Gun, like he was in a, in a James Bond film. Uh, but he would always randomly just show up and stuff in the early eighties and the seventies. He's he's a good actor. Um, yeah, but yeah, like for some reason he's kept all these guys alive, and all I can tell that these guys are doing is just working in a garden, you know, at this camp. Because I thought it was like an opium garden. I, I never even thought like, about I, that. I assume that because of the other guys showing up for the for the deals. So yeah, right? yeah, we'll talk about that. So there's there's a guy who is partnered up with Colonel Yin, um, who sh- shows up randomly in a helicopter. He brings prostitutes and you know food and drinks and all this kind of stuff to the colonel. And it seems like every time he shows up, he's like, oh, you you still have the POWs. Why are you keeping them alive? <laughs> you know, right. it's been 10 years and, you know, this could really screw up our operation. It's it's not until halfway through the movie that you learn of like, yeah, there's like this drug thing going on, which I, I guess that's kind of topical for them too. Because as we now yeah. know today, like, you know, the CIA was famous for earning like Air America and they were running heroin and, you know, it's, it's a lot of crazy. It happens to be like that part of that storyline to lethal weapon. Um, yeah, for so, sure. So it is, there is some real world time. Going right back to Tom Atkins yeah, again too. Weird. God damn it. <laughs> but yeah. Oh yeah. That's what happens is that the, okay. Colonel Yin's partner is concerned because at this point too, there are groups going into Vietnam. They're looking for POWs. So like that's his concern is that someone looking for POWs is going to find them and be like, Hey, what's this drug operation? And that's going to blow the whole thing. Yeah. And that, and that was also topical during the eighties there, because there was an idea of, you know, is there still, you know, missing in action people? Are there still POWs in Vietnam? And if there right. is, we need to negotiate them. So there was all, all these fact-finding missions that were being taken undertaken by, I don't know if it was the UN or if it was just the United States by itself. But yeah, they they were actually going to Vietnam to discover the, the truth of that. And I, I don't know what they actually mm-hmm. found, if they actually found still remaining POWs like that. But that was it was topical during the time. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so... Uh... And that's the point of the movie is like basically like this colonel's refusing to, you know, he's refusing to, to let the, uh, the POWs go and he really wants to break Braddock. And at some point, uh, okay, Francois was the Francois, drug yes. Name. That was, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Has to be a Frenchman, so, uh, right? <laughs> it does, yeah. He was very French. Now, what happened was is that uh, Stephen Williams, like their captain, like he – he basically like it, you know. He admit he did whatever Colonel Yid said right from jump. So he gets to be like his. Yeah, he signed a confession right? as yeah. I've I've okay. committed all the crimes against the people of Vietnam. Blah blah blah. Right, and, and part of the torture is like you know that one soldier gets randomly blown up in a very super super gory, uh, you know, scene. And you know it's it was it was at this point in the movie that I kind of felt like it, it was almost like a spoof of like a Rambo movie. I was like, well, that seems over the top, but it's just like no, that's just the way the movie. No goes. pun intended. Like the action scenes. <laughs> Yeah, no pun intended at all. Yeah, the uh, the action scenes in this movie they are wildly entertaining because they there's a lot of explosions and shit in here, and there's a lot of really weird scenes in, in this movie as well. And uh, the whole point of Colonel Yin's whole mission is like the only person he gives a fuck about at all basically is Chuck Norris' character Braddock. Like he really wants to break Braddock. Like he, he really yeah. wants to get him down. And one of the tortures they do that made me like I, I chuckled. And like I gasped, and then like I rolled my eyes, like all at the same point. I don't know how to encapsulate all the emotions I felt during this scene, and I wonder if you felt the same. Was that at one point they he puts 
Chuck Norris' character, Colonel Braddock, upside down and puts a, a oh, right. rat yes. into a bag and ties the bag around its head. And after a couple of seconds of Chuck Norris flailing, you know, and he's all baby old and shirtless and all that, like, you get the scene. Uh, you see a big splatter of blood and then just no movement. And you figure right, like, oh, shit, like, the rat just totally ate Chuck Norris. Like, this is this is pretty weird. They killed off this guy. He says, we got 45 minutes left for this movie. I don't wonder what they're going to do. So as they take the bag off, is surprise! Like he totally Ozzy Osbourne the rat, and Raddick like he defeated the rat by biting it. Today. Yeah, he's got like half thing, half of it in his mouth. It's crazy. In his mouth, and it was a big fucking, it was a big it was, dude. It was a gigantic fucking prop rat. It looked like a possum just hanging out of this guy's it's face. It's nuts, man. It was so large. Yeah, there, there's like, yeah, there's they, they go into the whole torture thing. Like that's a part of it, and so they'll have much, mock man. executions, you know, and try to freak yeah. people out. Yeah, because and then real executions mixed in for funsies. Like it was so. Oh weird. yeah, we'll we'll get there when we get there because that's 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 a yeah. nutty scene too. Where, yeah. but yeah, there's all sorts of stuff, and because I was gonna say this this whole plot really doesn't make any sense. Like they they try to explain it to you because you don't get it through any of the acting. But they, one of the nope. characters in this thing basically has to tell you that Colonel Yin, who runs the camp, has gone mad, you know, and, and all he can mm-hmm. focus on is he's got to get Braddock to confess. Because it, it makes yep. no sense that this guy would, would still operate a POW camp out in the middle of nowhere when he's trying right. to run a drug empire. You know, this guy would be living in a mansion somewhere. He's not going to be living in some some goddamn bamboo hut, you know, commanding right. a small army of people and just waiting to somehow get a get a colonel, a light colonel of everybody, you know, to confess. Because at the right. end of the day, what is he going to do with that? Nothing. <laughs> you know, it's, right. it doesn't get him anything. Uh, he's already a criminal. So what 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 is the end game there? They don't get into that. It's it's just kind of. St- ridiculous but they had to have something to kind of move the plot along because yeah every it's like every 10 minutes in this movie it seems like colonel braddock is being brought to colonel yen's chambers to you know some other form of psychological torture it's like hey i've just been informed that your wife is remarrying um and then yeah how does that make you feel i was like i don't know shows up again Uh, and then it's like here i got a letter from your wife and i'm not gonna let you read it because one of the people escaped so i'm gonna burn this right and you know and all the time like i feel like you know why the colonel continues to i should say colonel yin is continuing this torture. If after 10 years, this guy is not broke, what the fuck do you think is going to break this guy? <laughs> I mean... He does everything to him. Like, yeah, like you said, and at one point too, he has, uh, he has uh, Steve, uh, Captain Nestor actually like fight. Like he has Chuck Norris uh, handcuffed behind his back. And Steve Williams just, he takes a shirt off, secret six pack. He's super jacked, which is very surprising. And just beats the shit out of Chuck Norris. Like he absolutely kicks his ass up and down. That yeah, only because Chuck Norris is letting him though. You got to say it. Cause I get it, but he still got his ass kicked. Yeah. Until, until very he handily. has enough. And then he, he beats him in the end. He almost kills right. him. Yeah. Did he uppercut him in the nuts? He did all sorts of crazy shit. Yeah, he just like one blow and then jump over his head and then locked him with the chains over his neck and was going to choke him out. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. In all movies, like they technically have three acts, I guess. Where this one was unique is that it started its third act halfway through. Yeah, this is this is not a three act structure, or at least if it is, I can't I can't find where the second half or the second act really begins because yeah, no character really is at their lowest. (laughs) 
know, our hero right. isn't. Yeah, like what? There's one guy slowly melting of malaria. Like fucking, they they threw in every trope they could into this movie. Now, do you remember what exactly was Braddock's breaking point that made him decide, you know what, fuck this, we're getting out of here? So it it's the breaking point where he ends up. Uh, Colonel Yin kills. Um, uh, what's the character's name? Is it uh, uh, Frankie? Yeah, Frankie. Oh, so yeah, yeah Frankie's, the, Frankie's the one who's got the malaria yeah. again, and it's it's finally gotten to a point where it's so bad. Like he says, "Okay, fine," uh, because they they, they kind of set this up in the first act where they say uh, Captain Ho, who's another POW with with Braddock, he says, mm-hmm. uh, "Yeah, I understand that uh, Colonel Yin got a new shipment of some medicine, you know, some antibiotic or something that would help with the malaria." Yeah. And so, yeah, eventually uh, Frankie ends up getting real, real sick. So t- in order to save his life, he finally says, OK, fine, I will sign whatever you want. You just need to, you know, help my yep. friend. I don't want him to die. Mm-hmm. And that's when he instead of, you know, he gets he gets Brad to sign the confession and then he puts a, a syringe into Frankie's arm. And it turns out that it was a a syringe full of opium and he just ODs the guy and kills him sadistically, which, right. And that's enough, I guess, like, like he's finally had enough. He's like, and then he, then he, he, uh, he, he put him on a pyre right in front of the, right in front of him too. Right. Didn't he? That's right. And he burns him alive. Yeah. Yeah. He's still alive. He's still alive. And yeah, it just lights it up. And that was Chuck Norris's dramatic. He's still alive. I was like, Oh, Chuck's trying, I guess. (laughs) But I could feel it because I mean, you you know, there's yeah. there's got to be stories out there if somebody ever shared them as as real POWs. I mean, the stuff that they've probably seen and like, oh, this I could only imagine yeah, how, sure. how some sadi- people are so sadistic that they would do something like right. that. Yeah. So then uh, Braddock escapes, and then basically uh, one by one he comes back and starts freeing all the fellow prisoners, right? Yeah. And this is the other thing. Now I don't remember this. How how does Braddock get free again? He, I know he he, he escapes, and then he gets you know he loses the chains and then leaves them there as yep. a message though. But how did he get free? I don't remember that part of the movie. Th- there was a commotion and he basically just snuck around like a, uh, like video game style. He just fucking kept crawling. As that, and that's where he was, uh, he was uh, pulling the, uh, the gun, the, the arms out, right? Like all, all yeah, the guns like and it, putting them in at the jungle. Yeah, that's right. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, he he gets away and then yeah, he broke into their arms depot and basically you know was was stocking. I up, guess right? I guess his other breaking point too was the fact that the uh, the Australian reporter shows up and he gets caught taking pictures and uh, he tries to bluff his way out of that thing, saying he's part of a rescue mission, um, but it turns out he's not, and they end up killing the guy because they they find out about him because. Uh, Francoise knows this guy and all this stuff. They they kind of set that up in the first ta- first part too. Yeah, that was really weird too. Like that, I didn't really think that was needed at all. Yeah, there's yeah, it's just a lot of random stuff. I mean, there's, I mean, they really love to focus in on the torture of this movie though. Like, there's all sorts of things they do a lot. Yeah, like I the, one of the the weirdest things I feel bad about was like when when they pull uh, Captain Ho up and like the two hookers are there and they like strip him naked. And then they just leave him there. Oh, like, yeah, you feel him, so yeah. bad for that guy because he's an older guy too. And like, he's just like, yep. they got these like young ladies there, you know, just like humiliating him. You know, it's just, it's, mm-hmm. you can kind of imagine that. So that on some level that works, you know, as, as the torture, but. Uh. 
That was a lot of the movie. Yeah, it, I mean, it's <laughs> almost like the first half of that movie, and then the second yeah. half is like him getting revenge. You know, it's it's very mm-hmm. I spit on your grave. You know, except a little more clean. You know. Yeah. Because that's all that movie is too. Is like it's half the movie of the lady getting abused and raped, and then the second half is just her revenge, and that's it. Mm-hmm. So yeah. So then this one, like after after Braddock escapes, and he comes back. He starts rescuing people one by one. What he does is, uh. Like he and, and uh, whoever was able-bodied at the time, they they help them take over the whole camp and they kill everybody. And like the very last part of the movie, you don't really see what happens to Colonel Yin. You just kind of assume he's killed in the explosion, right? Because like his his hut, like there was like was there a, a, a was there a leg laying? Yeah, there? yeah, they, they threw like, a bunch of grenades in there and, and, and it uh, it exploded. And yeah, and there was a right. leg there with a particular boot, and... right? That they identified as Colonel Yin's boot. So then they. They all kind of like, okay, I know he's dead, and they get in the helicopter and they take off. And you know, you're thinking like it's weird them still establishing this hut, but as they go inside, uh, like a, a panel moves from the floor, and it's Colonel Yin. Like surprise, he had a fake set of legs just in case a situation like this came up. Yeah, I didn't, and, I didn't understand where that leg came from. <laughs> I don't know either. Um, I didn't question it. I was like, they just have legs. It's but fine. but yeah, at the same time, they're all the other prisoners are are getting onto Francois's helicopter because we didn't even talk about it. Colonel Yen ends up killing Francois because he's like, nope, uh, it's more important that I get Braddock's confession than running your drug empire. Yep. So, so I need your so helicopter. Screw that. Yeah, he kills Francois. Yes. Yeah, so, so all the other prisoners are jumping on the helicopter to get away, and we assume that Colonel Braddock is going to jump on the helicopter as well. And Colonel Yen's like peeking yep. around. He's like, okay, everybody's left. All right, I'm I'm free and. Nope, Braddock sticks behind or stays behind and says, and then right behind him, it's like Colonel, you know, Colonel Yen and Braddock. They're facing off. It's like, oh, they're getting ready to fight, and then they have like you know the big fight you'd expect, like you know a guy like Chuck Norris to give you the movie is that they actually you know punch and kick each other like at yeah. the end. Now does it? How does he kill the Colonel? Like, did he blow him up, or am I remembering this wildly incorrect? No, he blows him up because at the end, okay. Yeah, they, they go back and forth, you know, they exchange some punches because throughout the movie, it's set up that uh, Colonel Yen is a martial artist, too. He's always beating the prisoners or beating his own troops, you know, with with quick martial arts moves. So, yeah, of course, at the end, he's like, oh, yeah, you know, like they're they're both like holding a weapon at each other. And they're like, you know, Colonel puts his gun down and, and Bruce Lee puts or not Bruce Lee, Chuck Norris. <laughs> Chuck Norris puts his gun down. They're like, yeah, like he baits him into saying like, yo, you want to know who the better man is. So they're, they're yeah. going to go at it. Right. It's, it's yeah. Very Gary Busey and fucking uh, very much. So yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. Obviously Shane Black definitely saw this movie and said, I yeah, think I'm going to take this. So, yeah. So yeah, they go at Mine. it and he finally gets like some good punches in him. I think he, he gives that move where he kind of reaches up, like Chuck Norris reaches up on her Kernian's like rib cage and grabs him. Yeah. there, Like socks him and like punches him against the wall. Cause I kind of thought yeah. like, okay, maybe he's dead, but they they do cut away to Colonel Yen as Chuck Norris is walking away, and Colonel Yen's like he's like still sitting there like breathing and you know just just barely awake. And then yeah, Chuck yep. Norris is walking down. He happens to have a remote in his hand and clicks that remote, and the whole hut blows up. So it is it is strongly implied that Colonel Yen is finally blown up. And that was probably how long was. Was the escape? It was like a half an hour, right? Of like the whole like escape, and then you know reclaiming the camp and rescuing his buddies. Yeah. So technically, that was the third act of the movie. So, Ugh, and we're, we're talking about a nine. And, and it was good too because 
if you thought Chuck Norris didn't speak during the dialogue heavy parts, he'd barely said a whisper during the actual action scene. So the guy did not speak whatsoever in this movie. No, he, he's very, very stoic in this one. He's He plays Super the commanding stoic. officer. He's like, no, 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 we don't have to confess. You know, this is violation of the Geneva Conventions, POWs, blah, oh blah, blah. God. You know, he's just yeah. kind of quoting that stuff. And Colonel Yen, I don't give a damn mm-hmm. about you. And, you know, just, just that random stuff. It's... Yeah. It, On a two million dollar budget, this one made almost eleven million dollars. Which I mean, in and that's nineteen eighty five. That and that fitted fit right into the canon work group, right? I mean, it was just for you sure. spend a little bit of money to get a lot more out of it. I mean, that's a hell of a return yeah. you get on something like this. I would say so. Yeah. I mean, it's not it's not Rambo <laughs> Rambo Part Two return because that one made like three hundred million or something. Ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, it, it set the standard for the eighties action film by right. far. But. Yeah, I mean this. I mean, and missing in action it was a first success. I mean, I I believe that this movie probably made a lot of its money based on the goodwill of the first movie that came out too. Yeah, because that one did pretty well. I thought. Uh, yeah, that one made on a, on its paltry budget of a million and a half or three. It made twenty two, so it made seven times its budget. And uh, missing in action two just you know. Made yeah, this is the one that was bit, like, uh, yeah, I I kind of like Chuck Norris and I like action films, so maybe I'll just go see this. Right. Um, but, and then just a couple months later, you could go see Rainbow First Blood Part 2. Yeah, and you'll be like, oh my god, this is so much better. But Yeah, because they, they only released a couple of months apart. Yeah. Missing in Action 2 and Rainbow First Blood. Said, and this is, so, this is such two. a common story in Hollywood where you see competing type films that always come out. You know, If you remember in the yeah. 90s, man, you had like the Asteroid movies that came out, Deep Impact and Armageddon. Oh, uh, you yeah. know, during the 70s, like it was big for those disaster films. You saw all sorts of stuff coming Earthquake, out. Earthquake, yeah, Towering Inferno. Yeah, airport, Poseidon yeah. Adventure, all yeah, those yeah, things. I mean, right, it was just, yeah. they, they, everybody was competing to have those types of films. So this is no different. It was it was people coming out there and, uh, you know, we want to get on the martial arts action flick, you know, Vietnam, all that kind of stuff. So you had <laughs> American Ninjas come out and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Oh, just a bunch of random films. It's, it's, it's crazy. Yeah, I don't. I think <laughs> in a couple of years time, if I saw this one and I was bored and I'd be like, yeah, I'll watch this one again. Like it wasn't, it was dumb enough to where I could watch it again and smile at some of the dumber parts. You know what I mean? Yeah. Now, so you, you would say though, you liked this one, bit, I would. right? I mean, this I, was entertaining, that's right? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I didn't feel like I wasted my time watching this. Like I knew it, I was hoping rather it had to be better than code of silence. And I was very pleasantly surprised within like the first few minutes. It was just like, well, this is kind of weird. And then it started getting super over the top. And I was like, okay, now I kind of, now I'm kind of having fun. with yeah. it. So there were some, some entertaining things to see in the movie. Yeah. This is, this is the starkness of those movies. So like I said, one is an Orion picture. It's one that, you know, Chuck Norris was trying to take himself more seriously. This is, the canon group, you know, yep. Chuck Norris film. This is the the, the formula <laughs> that you are going to get if you watch any of his other films that were produced by canon. There's some other films out there too, and I'm going to bring them up here in a little bit um, that I would recommend that you watch too that, that I don't believe were produced by canon, but still equally as good. That are Chuck Norris yes, movies? Yes, yes. Yeah, you've mentioned before uh, Invasion USA, right? So is that, that Invasion USA, absolutely, and that is a canon film. So... After that, this, okay, film, that was a canon movie. Yeah, he did Invasion USA. He did Delta Force. Those are two films that I would say are entertaining, but they are canon films, one hundred percent. Like just lots of action. Okay, so 
more missing in action to the beginning than kind of it's, thing. Uh, so like the Delta Force, it's it's very actiony. It's it's also kind of relevant to stuff that happened in the seventies and early eighties. Um, it okay. takes on like like hijackers in the Middle East and that kind of stuff. But it oddly enough, like for as ridiculous as the movie is, uh, it does take on some some themes um, that. I can kind of appreciate, but it is, it's, it's an action film. It's entertaining. It's got, you know, Lee Marvin in the damn thing, you know, an, an Oscar winner. Uh, it's got Chuck Norris. It's got a bunch of other people in there. So it, it's entertaining. Um, Invasion USA. It, it feels much more like a, uh, uh, Delta force ripoff almost. It's, it's Chuck Norris ripping off that whole thing because it's all about like, like Cuban drug lords just kind of invading South Florida and he's got to fight back. Um, it's entertaining in its oh, own sh- right. I, I enjoyed it. Um, it's very schlocky. It's very action heavy, but yeah, it's, it's worth a watch. What's your favorite Chuck Norris movie? Like what, what if I, I'm scrolling through streaming one day and I see, you know, what movie would you say? Like I should watch. Like if I, if another one pops up. From Chuck okay. Norris, so like, I will favorite? go to this one because this is a favorite from my childhood. Uh-huh. Lone Wolf McQuaid. Okay, is that I brought this up to you before, and I I still recommend that you watch it. It's Chuck Norris, who plays a get this a Texas Ranger. I mean, oh, yeah, he's not going too far okay. here. I believe it was it yeah. came out in eighty three, but the antagonist of that film is David Carradine of Kung Fu, you know, and they get to square off much like. Uh, Chuck got to uh, square off with uh, uh, Bruce Lee in The Way of the Dragon in 72. Oh, my God. If, I just saw David Carradine try to throw a kick. Oh, but at least it's entertaining. I, I, like, David Carradine, he's a, he was a legitimate martial artist. He knew how to how to move. Was he really? Yes. Oh, yeah. He was, he was, no he way. Was, he was kung fu all the way, man. Dude, he looks like a drunk dad who's only ever seen bad karate movies doing karate in the parking lot of like a TGI. The Friday. guy could, like, the guy could still fight. I guarantee it, man. He was still get the fuck out of here. Yeah, but I I wow. recommend that though because it's it's like I said it's it's a throwback to um, Way of the Dragon where if you haven't seen that one, it's a film with Bruce Lee, but that's where Chuck yeah. Norris and Bruce Lee go at it, and you know the all the rumors state that like they were throwing real punches because they wanted to see who was the best, and. But the the so do David Carradine and Chuck Norris actually fight? Oh yeah, there's a, there's a great end fight to this. I'm not going to spoil everything that happens to this thing, but yeah, there's a, oh, they, they go they get to have their moment. They fight it out. But it's it's a what's this one called? Lone again? Wolf McQuaid. Lone Wolf. McQuaid. Yeah, he plays plays a Texas Ranger in El Paso. He's taken on like drug lords and arms dealers. You know, David Carradine plays a drug runner and arms dealer. And it's it's nutty, but boy, is it a lot of fun. I remember watching it That's as a kid. also in a Ryan picture. Oh, there you go. There you go. Wow. It's, it's worth it, man. It's worth it because you'll, okay. you'll, you'll, there, if there's any, if there's two movies that'll stick in your head for the music, it'll be Lone Wolf uh-huh. McQuaid because you'll be whistling the theme song. Or, really? yeah. Or if you watch Delta Force, you will be humming the goddamn theme song of that thing because they play it every five minutes in that movie. Yeah, I've never seen Delta Force either. Yeah. So I, I, I do this. Do this, man. Uh, when you when we're done, just Google Delta Force theme song, and you'll play it. It'll be stuck in your head, and you'll be like, "Man, I've almost got to watch this just for this theme song because it's it's pretty entertaining." Okay. By Alan Sylvester. Yes. I mean. Wow. Yeah. I mean this. 
nobody can say huh. that he riffed from himself because this is very unique, but it's just, right. it's, oh, it, it's catchy though. So Lone Wolf. <laughs> yeah, I do recommend that. Of, of all of them, Christ. I would say that's probably my favorite film that he did. Uh, because it's a special place in my heart as a child when I saw it. I remember seeing it right. on cable and just the lots of guns, lots of shooting, lots of explosions, and lots of kicks. It reads cable movie to me Oh, all day. very much so, man. Very much so. Very early HBO. Was that, did that actually hit theaters? I believe so, yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah, so check that Unreal. one out if you ever get a chance. I, I, I do recommend it. In fact... Well, they're on the list. Like, now that I've watched, you know, two Chuck Norris movies, like, I'm sure I'll... I'll be recommended every single fucking one as soon as they pop up on streaming. Yeah, Delta Force and that one and uh, Invasion USA, those are the other two that I would recommend. And those are you'll you'll know because they are they do feel like canon films, but you'll you'll probably just enjoy them because of the, the cheesy, you know, explosion action fact you know, factor that they okay. bring. All right. <laughs> and then you don't ever have to go back to sidekicks. <laughs> no, no, I don't think I ever will. Like I hmm. I think I would definitely watch Missing in Action 2 again, like if I was bored enough, but I don't think there's any way Code of Silence would ever happen. No, but if you do want it, you you could go back and watch Missing in Action 1. It's 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 no, almost good. the same movie, get the except it's just a little better. And I'm, I'm oh, it's it's close. It's just, it's not great, but yeah, no, it I'm doesn't good. answer any, it doesn't that. answer any story, any questions or anything you'd have about it. It's just, yeah, it's basically the same movie over and over. Oh no, I had no questions. Yeah. So is so is the third one, by the way, which is called Braddock Missing in Action Part Three. Oh, does he go missing in action? I, I don't remember how the third one goes. It's been so long since I've seen that one. Well, I mean in kind of keeping with, you know, the the action movie franchises that might have done one too many movies. Do we want do we want to start with you know with Stallone's Magnum Opus that is Rambo, or do we want to take a quick diversion? Off to something maybe that could be a bit of fun uh, that we've mentioned in passing. We haven't actually done a review of yet. I, I am happy to discuss anything that anybody wants to hear. Uh, uh, depends on how torturous, though, the idea is going to be. Because I, you, you. No, have... I think this one will be good because, like, I, I, I remember really, really liking this movie, and I haven't seen it in decades, so I'm really wondering how it holds up my mind. Uh, Iron Eagle. Oh my god! Oh my god! Okay, yeah, I'm. We've never actually watched that one, so it, it's it's on like right now. But you have seen it though, right? Oh yeah, okay, okay. yeah. But I mean, not in a long time. Okay, yes, like forever. Le- okay, that's definitely on the list then, because I I have so much to talk about in that movie. So much. yeah, I, I'm gonna be watching that fucking tonight. You trust and believe. Wow, yeah, that is. Oh, happening. that's a blast. Yeah, because I remember we we wanted to fit that in last Fourth of July, and we just didn't get to it. We couldn't fit that into the schedule. Just couldn't fit it. Yeah, but no, but it's back up on streaming now. All right, so. uh, yeah. Um, Lou Gossett Jr. and all his glory. If you're feeling, if you're excited. feeling perky, man, I don't know if you've seen the second one. You you could you could always put that one in there too. I have. It just gets more yeah, ridiculous. No. I don't, I, I'm not going to pay extra for that one. Like if it happens to pop up, it's like, we think you'd like this one. Then maybe I'll watch it. Otherwise, no, I'm sticking with, with Iron Eagle 1 all the way. Yeah, I don't think you really have to go past the first one. Because <laughs> it's, yeah. it's not like it's a work of art or anything, but it's just, oh, that, that one does. Yeah, because wasn't, uh, Doug's dad was a POW. Or he was, right? it sticks in the theme, man. Yeah. He was a, well, he was a capture. Yeah, he, he was shot down over enemy right. territory. That's right. Yeah, 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 that's right. Oh, and it, and wasn't, what? Okay, wasn't Doug's dad? Was he in an uncommon valor type of movie 
where he was part of a of a squad who went. He wasn't in Uncommon Valor. He was in that very. He was movie. in that movie, really. Yeah, he he, he was one of uh, Gene Hackman's uh, Suicide Squad. Like the, this was like this one came out in 1983, so it was well before uh, Missing in Action. All this is Red Brown, Randall Tex Cobb, Gene Hackman, uh, a very very young Patrick Swayze. I mean, this is this is definitely one. And yeah, that you, Tim Thomerson. Yeah, you you really will will want to talk about when we get to that movie eventually. Uncommon yes. Valor. Oh, for sure. Like that one is, I'm very excited to see that one alone because there's so many just wildly combustible elements <laughs> mixed into that cast that I'm just looking forward to seeing it interact. But yeah, I think uh, I'm definitely excited to do Rambo, but if you don't mind, we could divert to Iron Eagle 1 real quick and then we could, you know, start jumping into Rambo. I'll do that, yeah, because I, I do believe the uh, the listeners want to hear that. I, I do believe that. <laughs> And I want to talk just about with it. the soundtrack. Alone, I want to talk like, about Eagles it because there, about it. yeah, I don't want to spoil anything. There's so much to talk about in that film. Oh boy, I haven't seen it in quite a long. Oh, time. it's gonna be great. I've I've probably seen it within the last three years. So, oh yeah, really? There's I can't even remember the like the the guy's name now. Fucking who played Doug? I I'm just completely blank. Oh, uh, Jason Gedrick. Gedrick. Jason Gedrick. Is yep. that it? Yeah, Jason Gedrick and Louis Gossett Jr. So. Did he return for the second one, or was it only Lou Gossett Jr.? In uh, Jason Gedrick does. Uh, not spoiling any. I mean, I guess spoil alert. So. If oh wait, yeah, he, he dies, dies right? yes in the first five minutes of the next one. So. That's right. <laughs> so, I hope you undertook or listened to my spoiler if you ever had any desire to watch Iron Eagle two. <laughs> yeah, sorry about that. Yeah, spoiler alert. Like, if memory serves, he was shot down by like a member of a squad who was then like all his friends got together to. To revenge against the people who shot him down. Yeah, right? it's the typical it? buddy up. The enemy of my enemy is my friend. You know that kind of thing. Oh, wow, so, man! Interesting, yeah, interesting I'm films. At, yeah, I think we could just stick. I'm, I'm, I'm perfectly fine with that. <laughs> so, th- well, perfect. Let's go with that one before we uh, we dip over and in a Rambo. That works for me. Yeah, that'll be a very interesting conversation. And if if listeners, if you have any comments or anything like that or any other suggestions. Always feel free to contact us because yeah, we're we're always willing to take requests as well. Yeah, if you see anything you'd like us to watch, let us know. Like if Lone Wolf Equate pops up anywhere, oh, I like if, underneath our radar, we miss hey, it. Please if, let us it's know. It's on one of those free streaming services, but you just have to watch commercials. Oh, I, I can't. Okay, I can't do it with commercials, man. If it makes the runtime longer, I, I just can't. It do will, it. and and Lone Wolf Equate is a is like I think it runs like two hours. It's uh, oh, get out of here! Does it? Really? At least it feels like it. Wow. But it's entertaining. So, uh, I mean, with Chuck Norris and David Carradine, it better be entertaining because that's damn. Well, there's all sorts of good characters in that movie. So, are yeah. there? I mean, I, I, I'm telling you, man, it's it's really entertaining. There's a little, per- there's right, a little well, person in there that, that that you know plays a great role. It's it's great. If I see it pop up, I'm definitely gonna jump on it. But for now, we have got a ton of shit to watch. Everybody, we'll talk to you guys soon. Peace. Mmm, delicious.